0: change me from glory to glory and i boldly say i will never ever be the same again in jesus name amen amen praise god and if you came purposing in your heart to be changed you will be changed praise god this morning i want to continue our study on the church christ built it's his church he's the head of the church and at, to this point, we talked about certain things. We've got a quick review here for you to look at. Number one, this church is a church where Jesus has the preeminence. He's to be exalted among us. Every time we gather together in our lives individually, but collectively as a church body, that's what a church is all about, exalting the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's a word-based church. You don't want to hear religious tradition. You want to hear what thus saith the Lord you want to build your life upon the solid teaching of God's Word, as Jesus said, because when the storms of life come, you won't be devastated by those storms. Why? Because you're equipped, you're founded, you're grounded on the Word of God. Pray th- praise God that lives and abides forever. Amen? And then it's a spirit-filled church. And you know what? That's, that's exactly what we want, a spirit-filled church. Did you not sense the Spirit of God here today? Amen. Is He flooding your soul right now? We're supposed to be being filled with the Spirit over and over again. Thank God we can. But once again, a church should be about that. We want to give place to the move of the Spirit of God. Not, not do what we want to do. You know, we don't have some litany or some agenda that we just got to do this, 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 and this. Let God move by His Spirit. Manifest Himself. Heal the sick. Set the captives free. Whatever He wants to do. Amen. We want Him to do it. Praise God for that. Then it's a holy church or a church that's pure. That we believe in moral purity. Amen. He said, I'm holy, you be holy. And he, we are holy in him. So it's positional and it's practical. We're holy in him positionally. And then practically we work holiness from the inside to the outside. By finding out how God wants us to live and conduct ourselves. And how he wants us to you know, behave as we live our lives in these bodies on this earth. And then next we said, it would be a praying church. Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. Purity, prayer, power, perfected praise. But it's a house of prayer. Where we meet together and call upon the name above every other name. The wonderful name of Jesus. Praise God. And of course prayer is just communicating with God. Prayer is also joining forces together with him on the earth to carry out his purposes. And so that's why we've come. And then also six. It's a worshiping church. It's a house of praise. Perfected praise. When God manifests himself and his power and his glory. I tell you what it doesn't take much to have people start praising. Someone hits a home run, they start just going wild. Someone makes a touchdown, they start going wild. Well, somebody was raised from the dead, praise God, and overcame death, hell, and the grave. Praise God. We could talk about our brother Sorelli being in glory right now, and we can do it with confidence within our heart because we know he served him all the days of his life. If you think we're shouting, you should hear him right now. Unless unless he's knocking out a wall and trying to remodel the house. It's it's a long story about that, but anyhow... (laughs) amen and so we know that and we can worship god god wants us to worship him because everything's been done for us in christ we have all things that pertain to life and godliness he has done everything he gave us jesus he gave us all things in him and all we have to do is praise him and thank him and worship him exalt and magnify him and he'll inhabit our praises and live big within our midst now as we continue our study we go to number seven point number seven a soul winning church His church is a soul winning church. There is nothing more important this side of heaven than winning the lost to Christ. You know what? You can get to heaven without being healed. You can get to heaven without being delivered. But you can't get to heaven without being born again. Washed in the blood of the lamb. Look at Psalm 142 in verse 4. This is David. I looked. On my right hand. And beheld. But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Six words. Terrible words. No man cared for my soul. David was a faithful shepherd. He watched his father's sheep. He chased down a lion and a bear to protect the sheep, almost sacrificing his life, but he knew God would be the one to intervene for him. He was also a mighty warrior for his country and for his king. He stood before Goliath when all the other warriors were there, cowards. This was a soldier who wasn't even in the, in the ranks of the army of Israel. He was just a little boy, but he went there with a lunch, and when he heard what Goliath was talking about, he stood strong, stood up, used his faith, believed in his God, and brought down the the giant as he did the lion and the bear. So he was a mighty warrior, soldier as well. But when King Saul became jealous because of all the accolades, because all the applause that David got, he chased him down and wanted him dead. And in that verse which you just read, he found himself running from Saul. Now, he's running from the king, you understand. That's not an easy thing to do, to run and hide from a king. But all his army's out there looking for you to kill you. But he's hiding in a cave somewhere. And in that cave, he had a moment. I mean a moment. In that place, he said those six words. No man cared for my soul. What a revelation. Nobody cares. Think about it. He was in a cave of despair, a cave of loneliness, a cave of hurt. And he came to the realization who really cares about my soul? Does anybody care about my soul? At all? King Saul wants me dead. You see, when all the dust settled and all the applause stopped and all the accolades, and he's on the run. Nobody cares for my soul. No matter what our achievements are, what our accomplishments are in this life. Wonderful things can happen. But one day the dust will settle. And one day you might find yourself in the same cave of hurt and despair. You may be, not realize it, but you may be bound by sin. Beaten down by the enemy. Think about it. And you're in a place where you think you're hopeless and there's no help for you. That's where David was. No one cared for his soul. Well, beloved, think about it. Who really cares for your soul? Before we get to that, though, does an unsaved, let's say, parent care for the soul? My parents weren't saved for many years. They were religious, but they weren't saved. Never sat me down, never talked to me about my soul. Son, where are you going to spend your eternity? You realize you're an eternal spirit being that will live on forever and ever. Where are you going to spend your eternity? Don't you think you need to find out about that? Do you think an unsaved spouse cares at all? Hmm. And a matter of fact, in some cases, if you try to talk to that person about the soul, they don't even want to hear it. Oh, they might love your appearance. They might love a lot of things about you. But try to talk to that person about their soul. Or, about your soul, and usually you get a turn off. could be a coworker, you start talking about the things of God, you get shut down right away. Why? Why is it so offensive? Just to mention, are you a Christian? Because there's a spiritual warfare that's going on. But think about this: there is nothing more important in your life than where you will spend. Your eternal destination. Nothing at all. But yet it's probably the most least talked about thing in a person's life. A lot of people go through life hurt, in despair. And you know what? They're really looking for something, but they don't know what they're looking for. How about a boyfriend or a girlfriend? We got our young people in here today. What about a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Oh, they might love your appearance. Might love uh, your wit your humor, your intelligence, and the list goes on. Many wonderful things they might love about you. But do they sit you down and talk to you about one day you're going to leave this realm of life and where you're going to spend your eternity? They talk about those kinds of things. And if you do bring it up, all of a sudden the wall goes up. Two things. Don't talk to me about religion and don't talk to me about politics. We might as well give up on politics. Can you say amen to that? Mm. Jesus come and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords over the land. Amen. That's what we need. How about it? And he is coming soon. You know, October the 3rd is Feast of Trumpets. Right? Now, I realize that there have been many Feasts of Trumpets that have taken place. But a lot of theologians and scholars believe that this could be the one. They say that every year. Right? They say it every year. Oh, by the way, 2018 is going to be 70 years that, was, that Israel was delivered, became a state once again, became a nation, right? 70 years, which could be a generation. And Jesus said about the last generation, the fig tree, etc., etc. Think about that. So we know we're on the edge, right? We know we're right there. We know it's close and we, he could be coming at any moment. But if you try to sit down and talk to somebody about that, it's like, A slap in the face. Let me just say this. Be ready. Be ready. Let me say something else. Help someone else to be ready as well. You'll see that in just a moment. But you conclude like David. No one cares for my soul. No one really cares where I'm going to spend my eternity. And that's all a person might think. But you know what? I do believe that even though many out there don't care. There are those that do. Now, I never had a coach sit down with me and talk to me about my eternity. I never had uh, a doctor sit down and talk to me about my eternity. When I was growing up. Or a teacher. My goodness, if they tried that today, they'd be fired. And that's sad. We could teach you math. We could teach you geography. We could teach you social science. We could social studies. We could give you all these other things. But don't ask about their salvation. Or if they know Jesus. You get fired. not that a pretty sad scenario? Pretty sad scenario. There are those. That really care. About. Our soul. Number one. God the father. John 3.16 says. God so loved. The world. His care. For your soul. Has been proven. It's been proven by the sending of his son to this earth. So that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. Who cares whether or not you perish? God the Father does. But have everlasting life. So it's proven to us that God the Father cares about our soul. And where our soul spends its eternity. Number two. Jesus cares about our soul. Jesus cares, and it's proven in his what? Descending from above. And I want this to truly strike our hearts here this morning. You realize he was sitting on the throne of heaven, the second person of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and it was wonderful there for him. He did not have to leave and become a man, but in the book of Philippians chapter 2, we are told that he left the glory world behind. He set aside his mighty power and glory and he descended and came here to this earth and robed himself in flesh because he cares for your soul. Because he cares for my soul. So he descended from on high and became a man. But also, he, in his dying for us, proves he cares for our soul. And when we see him hanging on that cross in our mind's eye, And we see the fact he did that for me. This is what we have to tell people. You realize someone cares so much for your soul. How could you prove to someone that you care for them? How can you prove? I'll go buy you a nice gift. Does that mean I really care for you? Mm -mm. Maybe I'll wash your car for you. Mm -mm. No. Does that prove But when someone says, I'll prove it to you, I will die in your place. I will go to a cross. I will become what you were so that you can become what I am. Hallelujah. His descending, his dying, and then his defeating death hell the grave and the devil himself he came for this purpose to destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil he came to destroy the works of darkness for the son, that for this purpose or this reason was the son of God manifest that he might destroy the devil and he did so how does he prove that he loves us? by his descending by his dying by his defeating number three The Holy Ghost cares about your soul and my soul. How do we know that? He has proven that to us by his calling us, by his convicting and by his continuing work in our lives. Look at John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth it's expedient. This is Jesus speaking for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Notice the first thing the Holy Ghost is going to come to do. He's going to come and call you. He's calling you. Is he really calling me? Yes, he's calling you. Well, I thought that was a friend of mine. No, he used your friend to call you, but he is calling you. I remember at 16, 17 years of age, I was going to bed at night. And I had this deep. I would. I was going to sleep, and I would wake up with a sweat, and rise up and just say, "I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost." I didn't know that was conviction back then, but you know what? He was calling me, and I didn't know how to respond to it. He sent this young lady that I went to school with. And she says, Bill, you don't need to be born again. And I, I, I responded sarcastically and said, well, come on now. How can I go back to my mother and be born again? Never heard that before. I'm, but I meant it. I never heard anything like that. Before I was in church for years, never heard anything like that. But you know what? I go back to bed and th- wake up the same way. How many times I can begin to tell you how many times... Didn't know that was conviction. It was a calling. It was a conviction. And aren't you glad he doesn't give up on you? He was continuing. He sent another person to my house. Actually, it was at work. And then he came to my house. But at work, he told me, hey, you must be born again to make heaven. I looked at him and says, why don't you join my church and go to heaven? He said, why don't you go ahead and open up your church's Bible and read John 3.3. I said, okay. Well, I knew to keep quiet. I I, I never read my Bible. I was told you can't understand it. Keep it on the coffee table. It was the best dust collector in the house. It was there. Go open up your Bible. Go read John 3, 3 through verse 7 and tell me what it says. Come back the next day. Oh, I read that verse of scripture when Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again to enter my kingdom. My mouth fell open. I just stood there stunned like somebody gave me a blow to the head. I was like I was depleted of all strength. I went. What else is in there that I don't know about? But I still couldn't grasp. What was being said to me. And so it took a little bit more time. But I'm glad I was called, I was convicted, and the Holy Spirit continued His work in my life until one day the light bulb went on, and I said, I see it now. I see it now. Young person that's out here, let me tell you something right now. First of all, be thankful you're growing up in a church where you can learn about Jesus. And you're being taught in a class at your level where you can learn about Jesus because where you spend your eternity is the most important thing in your life. And I want you to know this. You can't get there because your parents are saved. You can't get there because your grandparents are saved. You can't get there because your friends are saved. You can only get there because you know Jesus for yourself. And let me say this as well. And if you know him in your heart, it'll come out in your flesh. If you know him in your heart, you're gonna, it'll come out in your conduct, your character and your attitude and all that. It's going to do something in you and through you. But you're a blessed young person just to be able to know. These things because many have not heard those things while they were growing up. And here's another sad scenario. You can be in a church for many, many, many years. And never know you had to be born again. You go through all the church doctrine and all that. Do you re- realize religion sends more people to hell than anything else in the world? It's a fact. Because the devil has them thinking I'm okay. I'll, 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 trust me. Prove, I can prove it. I prove it many times. Uh, I ask somebody. Uh, you, how, you, uh, you, how do you know you're going to heaven? well I go to this church and it says well how do you know you're going to heaven well I got baptized in water at that church okay but how do you know you're going to heaven well I'm a good person I do good works I got them right there I don't hurt anybody don't harm anybody but how do you know you're going to heaven well I gave money to the poor but how do you know you're going to heaven you must be born again not could Not should. You must be born again. And if you are born again. It's going to show on the outside. You'll have a change of heart and life. And you'll know it. Just like you know. know, I used to say this. But now I have to maybe think it through. Like I know uh, your gender. I know I'm a guy. You'll get that in a moment. That's a delayed reaction thing. If you're saved, you're born again, you know that you know that you know. You know it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I know when it happened. I know when the love of God came in my heart. See, ours is a no-soul religion. I should say a no-soul reality. It's not even a religion. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. Amen. But then also there's the church. The church. Uh, When it comes to the church. And that's why I'm emphasizing. The church cares. About your salvation. Of all things that we talk about. There's nothing more important than this. And how do we prove it to you? We pray. We pray for people to come into the family of God we preach we preach the truth of the word of almighty god we provide we provide what not just i'm saying we but the church we provide facilities where you can come and you can bring your family and you could bring your friends and you could know when they go into that facility and they go out of that facility they're going to know that they know that they know for sure they need to be born again washed in the blood of the lamb what good is it if you we just had the recent olympics what good is it if you have all the gold medals there in the world? What if you had a hundred gold medals and you spent an eternity in a lake of fire? What good is that going to do you? Your life on earth is but a vapor, James said. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away and that's all there is to it. What's more important than any thing, any achievement or accolade you can receive is to know that you know that you know that you know. Your crown is not going to be an Olympic crown. It will be the crown of glory. The crown of righteousness, the crown of life that you get as a reward for serving your king of kings and lord of lords. And then, of course, look at Acts chapter 8. This is uh, Philip. The church was under persecution. And as a result, the church began to spread out. But look at, this is the church in action. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice. Came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And verse 12. And when they heard him preaching. Or believed Philip preaching. The things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized both men and women. So here here Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. And what does he do? He preaches Christ. Why? Because he cared. He cared. He cared about those people. And his desire was to get them into the kingdom of God. And notice as he did. There were signs and wonders and miracles that took place. There was great joy in the city. And all of a sudden people started coming to Christ as a result. So they cared. Now this last one. And this is the most striking one. This is one that really gets people all the time. Do you know the lost in hell care? Did you know that? The lost in hell care care oh my goodness wouldn't it be something if if god would just for a split second just a moment remove the curtain that enables us to look into the realms of darkness and you can hear the screams and the cries the anguish and the suffering and wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just move the veil that separates from heaven and we can see the glories of the heavenly sphere That'd be great. Well, you know, in the end, you can read in the book of Isaiah, the last chapter, there's going to be a looking glass where people will be able to look into the realms of darkness and they can actually see the sufferings of people. And and then it would be a deterrent that nobody would rebel against God ever again. And the stench will come up. You can read it in the book of Isaiah. But we can prove that. This is proven by the rich man who died. And let's read it in Luke's gospel chapter 16 verse 27 through 31 this is the rich man and lazarus story rich man died and he was in hell lazarus died and he was in abraham's bosom where he was comforted he in hell saw abraham and lazarus in the bosom in his bosom and what does he do he cries out and says father abraham send lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger and cool my tongue i'm tormented in these flames how many of you know that this is Jesus narrating this? And this is Jesus who tells us these are certain individuals? This is not a story. This is Jesus narrating. Yes, he's telling us this. But it's, it's true. It happened with these two individuals. And so he says, can you imagine this? This guy is, what, the, what audacity. He's in a place of suffering and he's barking out orders. Uh, hey, uh, Abraham. Send that Lazarus over here and dip the tip. He wouldn't give Lazarus a crumb that fell from his table. But he wants Lazarus to leave his place of comfort. To go to the place of discomfort and dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. And father says, oh, I can't do it. There's a golf fix between us. You can't come here. We can't go there. No, can't happen. Well, when he realized he couldn't help himself, this is what he says. Then he said, well, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses, the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead. He's not asking for too much. They will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. What a statement. Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead for two thousand years and are people listening besides when jesus was raised so were many others raised in jerusalem and went to the city and told them can you imagine seeing your dead loved ones come out of the grave can you imagine seeing prophets of old coming out of the grave see what he's asking for actually happened but yet people for some reason don't realize it. they're not listening So we have a record of those that care. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the church of today, and also even those, if you can only begin to imagine, if that was one man crying out for his five brothers, how many, how many? If you could put a mic on all the individuals in the realms of darkness, in the place of suffering, with loved ones on the earth, I guarantee you, there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun you don't want anything to do with this place no way no. why because they care now about your soul and about your eternity and where you're going to spend it but for them it's too late way too late no one cares for my soul david said no one but you know what we have to ask ourselves the same question Do I care about the souls of others? Am I concerned about others and where they're going to spend their eternal destination? Well, I should be. And here's some reasons why. Number one, it's the will of God. 1 Timothy 2, 4, look at this. It's a fact that God is not willing that any should perish. Who will have all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. This is speaking of the will of God the Father. Who will have all men to be saved. God wants all men saved. He doesn't want one person left out. Number two. Because Jesus commissioned it. You will notice in Mark 16. In the great commission chapter. Verse 15. He said to them. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Did you hear that? That's the message. It's not what church you go to. It's whether you believe or whether you don't believe. You've got movie stars. You've got all these public figures. And they're saying there's many ways to heaven. You could get to heaven this way. You can get to heaven that way. We've got New Age telling us. And you young people, you're exposed to a lot of New Age philosophy and theology. I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't buy into it for one moment there is only one who said I am the way the truth and the life and no man will come to the father except through me I'm the only one why I'm the only one who created the world I'm the only one who sustains the world I'm only one who left the glory world behind to become a man I'm the only one who went to a cross and suffered and died I'm the only one who came out of the grave with power over death hell and the grave I'm the only one that took my blood to the high court of heaven and bought your ransom praise God and paid for it I'm the only way to the throne of almighty god period he's the only way jesus and he's proven he wants everyone there he died for the sin of the world number three love demands it look at jude 22 and 23 there's only one chapter and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Did you get that? Pull them out of the fire. Pull them out of the pit. If you really love someone. This is the ultimate thing you can do for them. Pull them out of the fire. Don't let them go. N- next, hell necessitates it. Look in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 14 verse 9. Hell The reality of hell necessitates it. There's a lot of religions out there. They don't even believe that a hell exists. And you know what? The line they give you is, how could a loving God send anybody there? It just proves that they don't know anything. God's a God of love, mercy, and grace. But he's a God of justice and judgment as well. And it was not made for mankind, but made for the devil and his angels. But because of man's rebellion, a just God has got to do what? Be just. Be just. And he has to judge accordingly. Look at what it says. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirs up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to greet thee at thy coming. I will never 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 forget sitting in my class listening to Kenneth E. Hagen talk about his death experience before he got saved when he was on the bed, a deathbed, and when he was dying at 16, 17, going 16 going on 17 years of age, and there he is, he says I came out of my mouth. Listen carefully. I sat there. I had chills all over my body. I mean, my chills had chills my bumps had bumps my hair. It was longer than but it was I had I more hair but I was chilled you have to hear him say it I came out of my mouth I went down by the porch I began to send descend deeper deeper darker darker the lights of the earth grew dim I got closer and closer finally I arrived at the porthole of hell And when I got to the porthole of hell, there was this creature that was there. He he kind of described the creature that was there. And he says, I knew. What did that scripture say? Hell from beneath is moved for thee to greet thee at thy coming. I knew if I went beyond the porthole, I would be there for an eternity. And all of a sudden he said, I heard a voice in an unknown tongue. It shook the very caverns of the damned. And all of a sudden... Some pool came upon me and pulled me up and pulled me up and I went higher and higher and higher and began to see the lights of the earth. I came out from where I went under uh, by the porch into the yard and I came up in that same spot and I went all the way back into the house with the roof into my mouth and into my body. Three times he said this happened. The third time he says that I was descending down and down and further and further. He said, I began to cry out to God and just say, I don't, I don't belong here. I don't belong going down. I've been baptized in water. What does that say for being baptized in water? I was baptized in water. I don't belong going down. He says, and then I realized, well, I may have been baptized in water. I was just doing what someone wanted me to do. I didn't do it for myself. And on the way back up the third time he said. Jesus I know you died for my sins. I know you were raised from the dead for me. He said I began saying a sinner's prayer. On my last ascent up. Going up and up. I finished the prayer when I got inside my body. Went through my mouth and my body. And I said that prayer. I finished that prayer. And I knew I was born again. I knew I had eternal life. And I knew if I were to die this time. I would not go down. I would go up. And he actually did. Because the next time God took him up. And that's when he was ascending on high and and Jesus said to him, go back to the earth and go teach my people faith. And he did that for 70 years of his life. Faithfully taught the people of God faith. But what what is it saying? There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And guess what? This is not a hellfire and brimstone message. This is a reality check. People you work with every single day are being lost. And people that were around every single day are being lost. Do we care? Ask yourself the question, do I really care? Well, look at this next one, number five. To deliver our soul. Look in the book of Ezekiel, what it says, chapter three. You're probably under there thinking, is this, a pic- is this a wonderful picnic message? No, but actually it is. It is, because while you're having your picnic, talk to someone. Are you a Christian? Um, um, um. If, they go, if they stutter, you know they're not. Like I said, are you a boy? Uh, we won't go there. Just, just we won't go there. You ready for this? When I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And it's very simple. Are you a Christian? But notice you deliver your soul. So in other words, where to care about the people around us. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? And really, that's the way we evangelize the world. I wrote this out here. This is uh, Spurgeon. Look at what he said. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Hmm. Beloved, nothing is more important than where we spend our eternity. Nothing is more important than where your friends or family members will spend their eternity. But you see, sometimes I think we get lethargic when it comes to soul winning. And we forget about the main reason why Jesus left us here on the earth. He left us here to tell our friends. And you know what? That's why... I, I, I can't even begin to tell you. I shared this with you a little, bit, a little bit ago. But i tell you what. It just impacts my life every time I think about it. Andrew told me the last time he's, he told me about his experience in heaven with Jesus. He said we were sitting on a bench. How about that? How about that? We were sitting on a bench. And he said, I love the way he says it. He said to me, Andrew. Jesus said to him, Andrew. You have to go back and tell people about me. And I'm telling you, he does. He does. He tells all his friends. I told you about Anthony. Anthony's a pretty big boy. He's not afraid. But you know what? He genuinely comes to me. You should hear him pray for Anthony at night. Before he goes to bed. Every night. He prays for Anthony. I want to see Anthony in heaven. I want to see Anthony's family in heaven. They're atheists. And Anthony, all he knows is about atheism. I want to see Anthony in heaven. He's doing exactly what all of us should be doing. Telling people. You know what the Apostle Paul said? I became all things to all men that I might save some. I want this message to really resonate within us. I want us all to really, really, first of all, Judge yourself. Judge yourself. Am I a witness? Do I care about that person's soul? Am I really concerned? About that person's eternity and eternal well-being, where they're going to be? And then challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. I know sometimes it's difficult, but I'm going to ask, are you a Christian? Now, I'm not asking you to get yourself in trouble in the workplace, okay? But use wisdom. But ask yourself the question, am I concerned about where my friends, my family, loved ones, associates will spend their eternity? Quick testimony. These two young men grew up, they were boys and they grew up together. One grew up to be a lawyer. The other one grew up to be a preacher. And they were close friends. Well, at one point they were meeting for two weeks. They were going to just spend some time together for two weeks. And they were together for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, the preacher drove the lawyer, friend of his, to the train station where he was going to depart and leave. And on the way, on the ride there, the lawyer, who was an agnostic, said to the preacher, he said, "Um, do you believe in the Bible? Of course, the preacher said, yes, I believe in the Bible. He said, do you believe in hell? He said, Yes, I believe in hell. The lawyer said, It's a lie. He said, What do you mean? We've been together for two weeks and you never witnessed to me one time. Think about that. Really. And he's the preacher. And they had that alone time together with a close friend. Did he really care about his soul? see we can get intimidated it's so quiet in here it's hard to preach (laughs) but all I want to say is this ask yourself the question number one am I born again I don't want to hear I've been sitting in church for 25 years I go through all the rituals you could sit in a garage for 50 years and never be a car I sat in church for 24 years and I wasn't a Christian. I went through all the rituals but I knew I was lost. I don't want one person at the sound of my voice to be lost to eternity because I didn't say you must be born again. And then also I want to be an influence to all of us to say now consider yourself and what you think about your friends. It's very easy to say, are you a Christian? And let the conversation go somewhere. But you see what that verse said? If they don't want to hear you, you've saved your soul. You've delivered your soul. If they say, I don't want to talk about it again. Okay. Okay. I won't. I've offered invitations, whether I'm at the Y or whatever, and just told people. I'd like to share with you what it means to be born again, if you like. Okay, I'll get back with you. Now, whether they do or not, it's up to them. But ask yourself the question, do I care? Do I care about the souls of others? Let's stand together for just a moment. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others.